Welcome to Long Range Sensors, the show where we talk about growing up with Star Trek in England and pick an episode to reflect on. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, you can join the crew and get access to exclusive benefits over at patreon.com forward slash Sensors. Stick around after the show to hear about some of the brand new rewards that we're introducing to our patrons. My name is Trev. I'm based in London, England, and joining me from Atlantic Canada is the most excellent Alistair. How's it going, Al? I am doing, well, most excellently, really. <laughs> How about yourself? Oh, nice one. <laughs> it, uh, it conjures up uh, thoughts of uh, Bill and Ted in my head as well. <laughs> it does a little bit, doesn't it? More blatantly conjures up uh, a Bill and Ted read, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, going on the most excellent adventure. Occasionally a bogus journey uh, as well. <laughs> yes. I prefer the second one. <laughs> How about yourself? <laughs> any, any excellent adventures or bogus journeys going on for you? Um, well, probably more on the excellent side, actually. I mean, it's uh, it's just, you know, it's a good time of the year, I think, right now. It's like sunny outside here in the UK and um, summer's kicking in. We've got long, long days and warm, warm days and um, Euro 2020, the football tournament going on and like, you know, lots of opportunities to watch Star Trek, of course. Um, we normally tend to watch Star Trek. I don't know, maybe what we tend to like, like when it's at night and probably raining outside and you're not going to be going out, but not if you're a Trekkie. If it's sunny outside, the birds are singing, we just want to sit inside and watch Star Trek. Don't we, Al? That's what we're here for. <laughs> just here for 50 years of the final frontier. Absolutely. <laughs> um, when we were planning out long-range sensors, uh, one of the things we wanted to be able to do uh, was to create special one-off episodes. And with this being our 10th episode, which is kind of crazy to think, we felt this would be the perfect time for our first of hopefully many specials that we're calling Away Missions. Our Away Missions will deviate away from our regular format to allow us to dedicate an entire episode to a specific topic. And today, there's going to be a discussion on Star Trek Enterprise, a show which was cancelled after just four seasons, but which we are both very fond of. We'll talk about how it ended, the original plans the producers had for the following season, and what we would have liked to have seen had the show concluded with a full seven-year run. So let's start off by talking about the series finale, These Are the Voyages. Uh, it's the episode which the majority of fans historically hate the most, and I would say it's been almost 10 years since you and I personally had a proper in-depth discussion about it. So with the benefit of time and hindsight, how do you feel about it now? And do you feel any different compared to when you first saw it 16 years ago? Um, yeah, it was kind of funny watching because I don't, I don't recall the last time I sat and watched it um, seriously. And if it, it, I don't think it, it definitely wasn't when it was shown originally. I think um, I probably picked it up. I think I downloaded the video file from sort of, shall we say, slightly non-standard means. And we'll just keep it keep it as, as that. Because I was kind of impatient. Um, from an Orion trader somewhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The Orion Syndicate are really good for uh, video files of Star Trek episodes. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, so yeah, I think I got it that way. So I think I watched it probably a matter of days, probably after it was actually shown in America. Ever quickly, those Orion traders got the got it online, and um, I think it was on Sky a few months later. It might, well, it might not have been. I think Sky was fairly quick actually in those days, sort of mid two thousand, well, literally two thousand five. Mm. Um, and but I knew a f decent amount about it already because I was looking at um again I've mentioned this before 
um, TrekWeb, which was kind of an early 2000s um, Star Trek sort of fan site. Um, I don't know if it was the main one that everyone went to, but it was a fairly big one, I think. Um, and it would often have like, here's the set photos from the the upcoming like episode. Um, so um, and you know plot sort of points. Um, and I think I literally just would just read all that stuff then, even though it kind of ruined. I think it mostly ruined the episode for me. So I think I knew what <laughs> what, what was going to happen really. Unfortunately, yeah. um, now I'm a bit more you know make a point of not reading that stuff. But then I kind of just wanted to. I was just gagging to know what was going to happen. Mm. And um, it was obviously very bizarre. Again, this is before I watched it, but just seeing these set photos and hearing the announcement that, Fre- that Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis was going to be in it, and it was kind of going to be like a Next Generation episode, and the Enterprise cast were basically going to be a holodeck simulation, which is a very bizarre choice. Um, yeah. And it, it did really feel like um, it was disappointing, basically. Actually watching the episode, I thought it was kind of a bit crap, unfortunately. Uh, um so how about nowadays, like having revisited it, do you still feel exactly the same towards it uh, as have things improved? Yeah, probably got worse, if anything. Um, <laughs> so oh, you're probably angry for me to say, oh, yeah, I love it now. It's great. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just I'm curious because, like I said, it's been a long time since we really discussed this and uh, and, and time yeah. can change opinion in both directions. Yeah. Well, you know what? I was kind of curious for see if you know, just for myself, whether I would be like, "Wow, is that you? Is that you all right?" Or, but no, it was kind of, um, kind of maybe become a bit more angry. Um, but at the same time, um, I understand that it was made. The episode was made very hastily. Um, I don't think they were kind of. Maybe they thought there was a chance the show would get cancelled in season four, but they, they don't, I don't think they were a hundred percent. They've been maybe given the heads up very early though, or very late. Um, I think it was midway through the season they were given a heads up that they were being cancelled, but uh, UPN gave them enough time to wrap up the show, which is refreshing at least. Uh, a lot of places, and I, I bang on constantly about how terrible Netflix is for cancelling everything. And so most Netflix shows and, uh, and, and shows elsewhere will have yeah. some form of cliffhanger. So it was nice that at least they were able to have that chance to wrap things up. Yeah, I mean, looking at um, Memory Alpha, mm. it sort of mentions on there about how this was actually um, was written as a possible finale for the third season because they were unsure if it would get renewed then. Uh, mm. But obviously it did, and we got the fourth season. Thankfully, we at least got that. And uh, apparently, according to Rick Berman, although you know he's changes his opinions on things as the years have gone by and different accounts <laughs> of things come out that sometimes contradict him, not slagging off Rick Berman, but just take things with a pinch of salt. I, mm. I, I'm generally enthusiastic about Rick Berman's Star Trek contributions. But yes, um, you know, he said that it would have been the fourth season finale, um, even if it hadn't been renewed. Um, but obviously, the you know, the big thing about the episode that is was handled quite poorly, I think, was Tucker dying. And he's probably my favorite character in Star yeah. Trek, uh, especially in the third and the fourth seasons. He's really fleshed out a lot. And um, I mean, when you think about it, though, like the only Star Trek series where a main character doesn't die at any point is uh, Voyager. Um, all the other, well, not again. This is with the pre well, pre discovery. Um, I, 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 yeah. I would I would counter that with that's not entirely true. It's when Does you count Kez uh, and also Harry Kim, but of course these characters oh, yeah, come yeah, back technically. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, Kim dies, and there's like a parallel universe version of him that joins the crew, and you have that kind of awkwardness. And then by the next episode, you just you almost forget that it's a different Harry Kim. 
Or is he the original and we're on a parallel universe Voyager for the rest of the series? I can't remember. Deadlock is the episode we're talking about. Yes. We're yep. going to talk about that episode in the whole podcast. <laughs> we'll save uh, the craziness uh, uh, for that. It's, it's a great episode, by the way. Season two of mm. Voyager is really good. Um, but yeah, um, uh, obviously, yeah, Tucker dying. Um, Let, let's talk about Tucker dying for a moment. Actually, yes. Because it, it's one of those things where when you look back at Tasha Yar's death, it was so sudden. But when, like, upon watching it later on in life, like, I found it's actually not as bad as I remember at the time when it happened, because it was shocking. Uh, and they handled the funeral scene really, really well, and that's what makes it work. And yeah, out of all the, the deaths, I'd probably rank. I think to be honest, most of them aren't brilliant. The only one no. that is truly powerful is Spock. Um, it probably helps yeah. it was in the movies. There's a bit more budget and there's a whole storyline you can revolve around it. And they knew that was what was going to happen going in. But the others are all a bit crap. I mean, Chad Zia Dax kind of gets shot with a with a Bajoran artifact thing. Uh, very sudden, very kind of naff. Um, and uh, so, yeah, not great uh, yeah. either. I, Tashi R, yeah, like you said, not not great. Good funeral, yeah. but not great death in itself. With, with Chad Zia, yeah. though, you at least had Worf dealing with that and and especially with esri's yeah. arrival they were able to pull a lot of drama from it yes there was aftermath i find that the big difference is that there was some stuff like tasha's death which was done out of necessity for denise cosby leaving this was more just a oh we'll throw in a death to boost ratings you know it and really have did people feel talking. like that yeah it felt shoehorned in now re-watching it i don't feel as bad about like at first i was just like it was just a pointless death for him in a way when you take it into the context of him knowing how important archer was to the treaty that they were about to sign it does make sense but it also the the villains that come on board that are after shran just don't feel like the kind of big villains that warrant a major character death yeah, I mean, my, my take on it is very similar to yours. I think um, mm. the actual act of and the reasons why you would do it makes sense because uh, it was a it was a last ditch attempt to potentially stop the ship from being commandeered, and God knows what would have happened at that point, and yeah. many people could have been murdered. Those villains, although they're very much villain of the week type pe people, they do come across as genuinely threatening and a bit scary because they're you know mm. they're kidnapped, you know. Um, uh, Shran's daughter. Um, um, again, we kind of we, we've skipped over that a little bit. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll go back to it. But um, so and and Trip was thinking on his feet and thinking, look, I I can kind of probably stop this in its tracks right now, and I'll you know, and so that's what he did. So it kind of I, I, his rationale is kind of sound. I, I would say it's a little bit yeah. silly the way he does it. I mean, the the, the villains are quite for him to like stand there, open a panel, pull a cable out, climb up. Pull another cable out. Of the, I don't know if I was maybe a weird Star Trek villain. I'd be like, right, this is bullshit. Um, stop it. You're taking too long. Go and do this stuff now. You're not messing around with a, with a panel or I'm going to kill. Yeah, maybe I'll probably, it gets a little bit overdone. Um, maybe there was another way he could activate, uh, cause a panel to overload very quickly, not to climb and pick stuff up and do all kinds of stuff and yeah. pull okay. cables out. It, yeah. That was a bit silly, but the act and the rationale. Yeah. And to bring Shran to them, it just it yes. didn't make much sense. Um, but one thing that I picked up on, which I certainly didn't when I was watching it, and, and again, this is more one of those hindsight things. When you have Archer and Paul talking about Trip's death, 
it felt like the writers killing off trip was almost an allegory of how even with enterprise being canceled it was worth it because the whole conversation yeah. between um archer and to paul is how the mission that they've been on is supposed to be worth it but with trip dying archer's kind of questioning himself on that and he's like and i have to tell these people that it was worth it and so in a way it's almost like you know the show was cancelled and it's not quite been the success story that the previous shows were but the one was kind of saying but look we still think it was worth it yeah um and as a whole it was i think the um I like the premise of the episode. I like the idea of it being a next generation bottle show or, or, or framing device, of it being mm. um, a, holo- a, a holodeck activity. Um, I would like that to have been a, a, just a, some kind of fun throwaway episode in the middle of the season that didn't have any yeah, huge con- consequences. It's... Not as a finale, I think. Yeah, I have problems with it and I have rationale for it. So, but the ma- main problem I have with it is that it doesn't even match the episode that they're trying to tie it to. So it's all revolving no. around in, you know, an incident in the Pegasus. And Riker is trying to decide, does he tell Picard this big secret about how tons of people died on his old ship? Or does he keep quiet as per the orders of his previous captain? And he's conflicted with this. And so he's trying to decide. And by the end of this episode in Enterprise, he comes to the decision of, oh, I'm going to go and tell Picard. But in the episode, he doesn't. He's backed into a corner and Picard almost throttles it out of him. So it's completely different to what we got there. Yeah. Literally, when he left the holodeck, he would have had to have had a complete change of heart and said, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to tell him, Uh, you know, that we saw when they walked, when he walked off the screen. Um, he seems very content at the end of this episode, really. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't buy R- the idea that Riker would need to consult a holo, basically like a holo not novel of a historic mm. event to come to decide on something. I think he's fairly like headstrong and kind of capable of making decisions, you know, with minimal kind of need to go on a big guilt trip <laughs> or a big or a big personal journey to work out what I need to do. You know, I mean, God, if they did it again, like, would it? Would it be like you'd be in the middle of battle of Wolf 359? Oh, I've got to fire the, the deflector dish weapon against my own captain. Wait, I'm just going to go uh, on the holodeck and watch 10 episodes of Enterprise <laughs> to work out if I should still try to kill my own captain. You know, there it's, a, it's... Yeah. There's a nice moment, though, when um, when Troy is talking with him and saying, I believe that you'll do the right decision. She's basically kind of saying, look, you're a big boy. You, you can figure this out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I just don't buy Riker would need to do that. That's the main irritation I have with it. I like I like the idea of an Enterprise Next Generation crossover with a hol- holodeck framing device, but not as a finale. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, they, they did position it that it was supposed to be a, a love letter to what was it, like seventeen years of their run of Trek. Because uh, we we when we saw Brandon Braga at Star Trek London. That was one of the things that he was saying, that they thought at the time it was a really nice thing. And looking back, he was like, it's trash. <laughs> it's, it's just not yeah. good. But it works. And, and this is where I will give some positivity uh, in that because of how terrible it is, it actually manages to give itself an out because it's more of a coda to the show. If you watch the prior two-parter because this is a single episode it's not even a two-part episode which is strange for a finale oh it's very quick yeah yeah you've got demons and terra firma 
which work as a two-part finale. And the way that that episode ends is a far better finale. This just does feel like it's just like a little bonus extra thing. And you can completely rule it out. And this is where it fixes itself. Because it's a holodeck yeah. simulation. It's not canon history. Because you have Riker pretending to be the chef, having conversations as he's trying to figure his own stuff out. And T'Pol is referring to those exact conversations with Trip, which aren't conversations that would have happened. Yeah, we don't know how accurate any of this stuff is that Riker's seeing in the holodeck. I mean, you know, they're obviously going to be recording stuff on the ship. There'll be flight recorders and the captain's logs yeah. and stuff. There might be a camera following people around. Well, I guess policemen have to, like, a lot of the time have to carry body cams, but I don't think Starfleet officers would. Makos, maybe? Yeah, Makos, maybe. <laughs> so I'm sure there probably is a, de- a decent amount of, re- of recording of records of stuff. But even so, it's probably more like a Hollywood version of, you know, of a bullet-pointed sequence of events. Mm. Um, so we can't, like you say, that probably means it isn't really canon. I, the, the the thing that struck me, the most oddest thing was Tucker dies, and then he has another scene afterwards where he talks to Riker, who's portraying the chef. I thought that was very odd, having that afterwards. Um, it would have held, yeah. the death would have had more weight if that scene was immediately before him actually dying. I didn't get why they placed it afterwards. I mean, I think it would have made the death have more impact. Yeah, it was the focus of the Next Generation cast. And and this is why Jonathan Frakes has spoken out against it, because he's like, this is their show, but the focus is on us, and that doesn't make sense. And it doesn't at all. No. Um, so. And also, it's not. I'm not making light of this, but um, they, they clearly have aged. You know, it's 11 some odd years since the, <laughs> the, the, that episode. And it's, it's very difficult and distracting. And it's, it's, I mean, Troy's got a whacking great big wig on that doesn't look anything like her real hair. Um, and well, it's the original um, it's, wig, though. Because she, she kept the, the wig. wig. Yeah. She kept the wig yeah. for ages. Because she even, uh, when, when they went to film Nemesis, she was like, well, I've got the original wig. <laughs> Yeah, so. I always thought it odd that they had to wear a wig. I remember seeing like a, like a behind the scenes of the Next Generation episode, and like Gates McFadden t- saw her attaching a wig. And I was like, she's already got really long hair. That's like ginger. Why do they have to put another long ginger wig on top of her? It's like putting out a bald cap on Captain Picard. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think this as well, but one of the things that I kind of realized growing up uh, was from watching Back to the Future, how often. Michael J. Fox's hairstyle changes throughout the run of the movie. Yeah. So I think for continuity, it's just a lot easier for them to use a wig to whack without a wig having on. to worry yeah. about it. It makes you wonder if Riker has a beard on top of his beard now. But um, yeah. yeah, that was kind of funny, but as a side thing. But yeah, um, they've quite visibly aged out of the sort of, you know, the point in time that um, that is, that's, you know, not making live it. They're both great looking people. Um, that age very elegantly, but um, it's still people age. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, maybe if they did it now, that episode, they would de-age them, like you know, like we saw of like you know uh, Tony Stark in Captain America: yeah, Civil the, War, and there's other, the been other films since there. then. Yeah, yeah, the tech was nowhere near there then. Um, uh, so that was never really on the cards. But um, my, my favorite moment of the whole episode is probably the very, very end when you get a lovely montage. And it uh, puts a bit of a lump in your throat, um, actually, because one one aspect of this was we thought this might be the end of Star Trek on TV, period. You know, there was no, 
weirdly, you know, like literally about a year later, they started talking about making a new Star Trek film, and that's what we got ultimately in 2009. So it was quite mm. a short period of time before new stuff was getting announced. But um, it looked like we were going to go into basically a dark ages of Star Trek, and we kind of did, I guess, until the JJ film came out. Yeah. But um, that, that made it very, even more impactful. But you get a great um, montage of the Enterprise D, and, and, and the shots of the Enterprise D that look great, by the way. Um, as well it's a good cg model yeah it is beautiful it, it's, a, it's a beautiful mo- model and you get a, a great the great patrick stewart voiceover of space the final frontier um, and then that's transitions to the enterprise original enterprise and captain kirk saying the rest of the space the final frontier intro and it ends with well uh, perfectly with captain archer finishing it off and yeah. you get the original sort of alexander courage star trek you know opening bits of the music that we all know and it almost felt like that was suggesting that maybe Captain Archer coined that that um, intro, perhaps in a you know some kind of dedication or something. In like again, this is the headcanon going off a little bit again. But um, that that's a nice little thing to suggest that maybe Captain Archer was the first person to say those lines. It's like well, just a a Starship Enterprise tradition. Well, they, well, they they had Cochrane in Broken Bow talking about instead of to boldly go, it's to go boldly. So he's really just riffing off of Cochrane. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously, you, you, yeah, you go ahead and straight away say, like, obviously Cochrane started, you know, the the prototype of that. And then perhaps mm. Captain Archer turned it into what we know now. But um, that was a beautiful moment. I had a bit of a lump yeah. in my throat at the end of that. Um, but for the rest of the episode, I mean, I really like Shran. Shran's a great character. Um, oh, and one, he's one kind of the best episodes with this one as well. Just the, the yeah. interaction with him and Archer. And the whole having to deal with rescuing his daughter is just so excellently done and just gives you this wonderful, like when you think you know Schwan already, it really just shows you just yet another side of him. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it also strengthens the idea that the Andorians are co-founders of the Federation. And it's basically through Schwan's relationship with Captain Archer that kind of is the, mm. the forefront of that. Because yeah. obviously we get... It's the great thing about enterprises it establishes things like the Andorans are the ones that had shield technology. So that's why, you know, um, the Enterprise and subsequent Enterprises, although not the NX-01, but Federation uh, Starship Enterprises and Federation Starships have shields. That's, that's actually Andorian technology, uh, yeah. which is kind of cool. And I think they invented like photon torpedoes, I think, was that mentioned? Uh, I know because they get photonic torpedoes, don't they? Um, I think it was maybe phases or something or Andorian. Yeah. yeah, we don't know if photon and photonic are the same, just with a different name, or if it is different technology. Yeah, oh yeah, that they could be. I think it's implied that they are a photon torpedo is an evolution of a photonic torpedo. Um, yeah. Probably again head canning in head cannoning that a bit. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, one thing I really don't like is, um, and well, before I mention one thing I really like, one one thing that I think might have worked better is. I remember seeing the pictures of Jonathan Frakes in the chef's outfit, and I thought, oh, great, like for the first time before I knew what the context of the episode was. I thought that would have been kind of a cool way to have Frakes in the show, because we know there was a chef, and we know that there's some yeah. kind of a familial relationship that the captain had with him. It would have been cool if he was like a, a Riker ancestor, um, because there was a, it's hinted at that Riker likes to cook. He cooks those scrambled eggs in the second season of Next Generation that only Worf likes. Although I think was that supposed to say that he was a terrible cook? I don't know, maybe, but yeah. And it shows that he's a marvellous cook by the time of Picard, once he's retired and he's had time to dedicate to it. Well, pizza. 
Yeah, but to do a bang-up pizza, you know. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that would have been cool if that was a thing where I, I just had Jonathan Frakes pop in and just be be the chef every now and then. That that would be cool, but obviously it wasn't that. It was actually Riker. Um, yeah. So but, you, but you would have preferred like... cameos as such rather than... Yeah, actual, you know, it being, you know, what we ended up with. Yeah, I suppose a bit like how we had Brent Spiner come in as... Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. As Eric Soong. Soong. Which worked brilliantly, but I really didn't like how they handled Trip and um, to Paul's relationship. I did; it would have been great. But weirdly enough, you know, the episode E squared in the third season where they encounter um, a future NXO one Enterprise, yeah. um, which kind of becomes a generational ship. They actually got married and had a, I think they had a sort of a longish like life together before like, Trip just died. I think of um, um, did he die of like an an accident in that as well? I think he, no, he died of it. He died early in that. God, he's screwed. Um, he technically <laughs> almost destined. dies anyway. He almost dies anyway when he gets like when before they grow a clone of him um, <laughs> to, to like that they kill to, to yeah. bring the other one the regular trip back. God, that guy is unlucky as hell, man. Um, the, the thing I yeah. love is you've got all of this. Yet he's able to just go down a wire between two starships at warp, and he can survive that no problem. That's bizarre, yeah. Stuff. When he's going between the NXO one and the and the NXO two, the Columbia. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you should have transferred over there. Really, he'd still be alive, presumably. You know, <laughs> uh, we would have lost a brilliant character, but he'd still be alive. And and generally, it would have been a nice a nice thing um, to have Tucker and Apollo relationship. I mean, perhaps they felt that would have been a bit too cheesy and a bit boring if they just. We've had plenty of romances. Probably the only one that's been really any good, although there's a tra- tragedy to that was. Um, Chad Sear and Wolf. Basically, if you get in a relationship, someone's going to die at some point, I guess. Um, or just it just trails off like Beverly and, and, and Picard. But yeah, it would have been nice to have that develop. I mean, maybe it would have if they were going to carry on because we know that humans and Vulcans can have relationships because Spock. Yeah, and I like that in Terra Firma, so the, just the previous episode, the proper finale, that they do yeah. have a very touching scene right at the end where they find that it is possible for a human and a Vulcan to conceive a child, which again, yes. kind of, you know, foreshadowing. For, yeah, it's a, that's it. Foreshadowing for for Spark. Uh, I thought that was that was well done. And again, in like my own head canon, because Tapol is a great character as well, um, and Jolene Blalick is a great, really was brilliant at portraying her. I, I like I, my kind of head canon for her going forward is she becomes kind of a bit of a pioneer, and probably it becomes a for, at the forefront of you know, establishing stronger ties between humans and Vulcans because mm. she's really the first Vulcan that hung out with humans a lot. And you can cl- clearly see in this episode that she's developed a great deep affection for the crew and Archer in particular, especially that hug they have at the end. And I yeah. thought they were going to do that cheesy thing where Archer would hug her and you'd sort of flip back to a shot behind Archer and she'd see her awkwardly going, oh, what, what's this? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll go along and she would just awkwardly put her hands on his back. But no, it's a, it's a nice warm hug and it makes you feel kind of a bit warm and fuzzy inside, which is nice because their relationship has really developed hugely from not really well, Archer didn't like her at all um, mm. to them being, you know, um, almost like family um, at the end. And even a little thing like Tapola adjusting Archer's shirt almost like a motherly thing was really nice a really nice touch yeah um but then he goes out and you don't hear the speech um you just hear Riker and Troy sort of go oh, <laughs> that's nice isn't it right we're going and it's <laughs> and it's like 
It's just like, seriously, dude. I mean, um, it's it's got many good little moments, but the general premise and it, it kind of ruins the... I mean, the sentiment there and the heart is in the right place and we get loads of little moments, but the overall execution and the the premise and... But at the same time, I appreciate they were very rushed, although supposedly this is what they planned for the end of finale of season three, if they thought they were going to get cancelled then, uh, which mm. I'm not sure I believe that, but anyway... Um, well, I know the rising was kind of on the cards from season two. Yeah. That they weren't sure they were going to get a third season, and then they did, and then they weren't sure they were going to get a fourth, and then during the fourth, that was the final nail in the coffin. So I, I guess they always kind of had to plan it, but yeah, their bets for it paying off just, I don't think, panned out like they expected. It, it was a very well-meaning like premise, but... Um... Yeah, the the premise generally of the episode of having the next generation crew go and watch basically episodes of Star Trek of Enterprise is great. I just wish it was used for another episode. I think it'd yeah. be great as a fun kind of comedic episode, bang in the middle of a season that had no bearing, kind of like the the, the Mirror Universe episode that wasn't comedic, but you know what I mean. It's just a kind of a yeah. chucked in it's there and doesn't really have any effect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I think that would have been a great episode, but as a Something that a way of explaining how the ending days of the NX01 happened, which I don't think we should really would have had to have seen, but we'll go into that shortly. Um, mm. That was my, I mean, what that was my thoughts. I mean, what are your sort of bullet pointed thoughts, I guess, on what you thought of the episode? Yeah, a, a lot of similarity there. I really loved just all the stuff with Schwan and how his relationship with Archer has changed. I really enjoyed as I always have done, flocks, just being flocks and just the way he's talking about Trip is just always heartwarming just to see his yeah. reaction and just his viewpoint on things. The uniforms I thought were kind of weird. It almost kind of yeah. seemed like a step back. Like it would have almost made sense for that to have been the season one uniforms where they've got like the little lapel things and they've got the name tags on. Yeah, it was a bit rushed as well. You could see that we've got to kind of look like something has changed in yeah. the subsequent six years since the end of the last episode. Um, so they yeah. just put some like like little bits on, on, on the shoulders and yeah, the name was a bit odd. Yeah, it didn't feel like a transition to to what should have no. come later. Yeah. I, I remember like one thing that really stuck out was um, just how fast it all ha happened. Like I said, it was a season finale and it was, you know, 45 minutes, but it, it's just um, the story had to be so rushed and um, it powered through the whole thing. Um, disappointing, probably, would you say it's the worst last episode of the Star Trek series? Yes, definitely. Yeah. It just it just doesn't land. Yeah. If, if you take it for what it is as a coda, like if you, if you kind of look at Enterprise and go, okay, Terra Firma is the finale, then it wraps up and ends really well. And this is just kind of like a, let, let's say we were in that dark age before yep. the JJ movies came out. If you're kind of like halfway through that and you're just like, I just wish there was something else, it would be nice just to go to a few months later. Yeah, exactly. And I think that might be a better way to watch it. Like for somebody on a first run through is watch the series, end it there, wait a few months and then watch it. It's more like a, just a revisit and just a nice touch and treating it like a horror novel. I think it works yeah. then, but as a series finale, it does not, and is by far the weakest of uh, of all of them. I'd probably say a turnabout intruder, although they didn't really I was, know it was definitely going to be the last episode. Yeah, it's, it's 
kind of terrible. I was just about to say, because yeah. I, I suppose this is a good way to wrap up this section. How do we feel it it compares to Turnabout and Tudor, which, as you say, was just the show for the original series was cancelled and there was no actual finale? It's it's better than that, because at least they've tried to put an, an end to, to it. That You know, it's hmm. clearly an end, even though it wasn't executed very well. Um, but certainly against the 90s to 2005 era or the 80s to 2005 TV trek, um, I would say yeah. it's the worst. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people hate Endgame, the, um, the last episode of Voyage, but that's light years ahead of this. That's quite satisfying, um, but this isn't at all. <laughs> that's how I'd put it. <laughs> no. I, I, I think I did enjoy it a little bit more after revisiting it after so many years, but it's still, as we've said, it, it doesn't hold up. No. Definitely not. Let's have a look at some of the plans for season five. So assuming that this episode never even happened and the show was never cancelled, the producers did have plans for different things that they wanted to do in the fifth season, which I've always been really intrigued by it and also feel kind yeah. of sad that we never got to see them. Yes, um, it would, they had quite clear plans, didn't they? And there was probably things as, as, a, as a sort of Trekkies that we knew happened in this era um, that's been hinted at before that we were looking forward to happening that they could, but they, we could see now um, yeah. in this series. But um, yeah, we didn't get to see them. Yeah, so especially with Manny Koto coming on board in season three, which he, he yes. by far is the Michael Pillar of Enterprise. What, he, what Michael Pillar oh, did yeah. for The Next Generation making all the shows very character-driven from season three onwards. When he came in in season three, he brought new life into Enterprise as well. And one of the ideas that he had that I absolutely loved was a subplot to the Romulan War. Because they were going to be doing the Romulan War, and we'll, we'll go into that in a bit more detail, I think, in a moment. But also having T'Pol as being half Romulan. Because yes, it, that would have been very interesting. Like, if you go back, it explains so much of her behavior because she is far more emotional than we've seen Vulcans, but not breaking down in the way that we've seen Vulcans break down in those circumstances. Her being half Romulan, yeah, it helps explain. It fixes a lot of headcanon, basically. Yeah, in season three, we obviously went through her addiction to Trellium D. Yeah. Um, which, you know, there's nothing to say that, that other Vulcans could be addicted to that as well, but uh, um, it was clearly a thing, a, a huge uh, part of her character development in, in the third season. And yeah, like you say, she's a, the fact that she's probably a bit more t um, tolerant of humans and eventually, you know, grows to like get on with humans and like them a bit more easily than a, a, a full Vulcan would. Yeah. Um, it, there's an element of that, of her, how emotional she gets. Yeah, there was definitely sh foreshadowing that, particularly in the third season. And, well, yeah, in in the fourth se season, definitely. Yeah, and I remember, I think it must have been, it was only a few years after the show ended, maybe even just two or three, that I think that was, uh, that was announced. I just remember hearing it and just thinking, like, that just makes so much more sense and would have just been so much better. <laughs> and when you yeah. frame that, in line with the Romulan War, which we know takes place around that time, as that's always been kind of mentioned from the original series, having T'Pol as a half-breed of your enemy would have added a very interesting twist to things as well, especially with her 
Um, not just people kind of going like, oh, so you're, 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 you're half Romulan. I don't think people would have cared that much. It's more to Paul going, I'm now caught in a war between two halves, the Vulcans and the Romulans. Yeah. And I think um, it, it was hinted at, uh, I don't know if it was actually explicitly said, but I think Savick was supposed to be half Romulan. I don't think, I'm not sure if it was actually. No, yeah, because what yeah. that was, if I recall correctly, is that she was going to be returning for Star Trek VI, and they were going to have that yes. as an explanation as to why she turned on the Federation. But they couldn't get Kirstie Alley back, or um, uh, and I don't think they even approached uh, the person who replaced her in Star Trek III, whose name escapes me. Robin Curtis. So they recast her with Kim Cattrall and had a different character. I think it was um, Gene Roddenberry said when he heard what they were going to have a betrayer in the Federation, I think he said you can't do that because she's too, she's too popular and the fans won't agree yeah. with it. Um, that's what I've read. Um, I could be wrong, but... Um, that would either way, um, it, yeah. yeah, but but either way, yeah, it didn't come. I mean, it's something I think it's been maybe the novelization of Star Trek two and maybe three, um, but it was never explicitly stated on screen. No, so it probably isn't canon. Yeah, as such. Yeah. Another thing that uh, would have ended up coming about, which I would have loved to have seen, is the NX one refit. Yes. That, uh, Doug Drexler had planned. That would have been very cool. So for those who aren't aware. The Enterprise is a very flat ship, but they designed it in a way that they could add a hull extension secondary to the hull. bottom. Yeah, a secondary hull. So it would look a little bit more in line with the original series Constitution class. And you could then see yeah. that design lineage. And Eagle Moss have done a fantastic model based on that. Um, I, I have it in a display cabinet in the other room. And just seeing how it looks with a deflected dish. In fact, it's got two deflected dishes now as a result. Um, yeah. But with that secondary hole, it, it looks so much better. And again, just bridges that gap between the two series, uh, especially as a prequel, really well. Yeah, I think um, there was, uh, there's, there's the ships of the line calendars that come out every year, I think. Um, yeah, that was the first time it appeared, wasn't it? Yeah, I think not that long after the show was cancelled, like maybe the following year. Yeah, um, I think they actually had a render of the refitted NX01, um, and it looked like so you could clearly see a, a lineage that would go into the original Constitution class Enterprise. And um, yeah, it was. Um, it's funny because like there's already the, when when you're linking that ship, the NX01, to the NCC1701, there was already like. A funny thing in the, in the Mirror Universe episode of Enterprise in the Mirror Darkly, I think in part two, there's a, there's a moment when um, Captain Ar or Commander um, Archer, the Mirror Universe version of him, um, mm. is looking up himself on the Defiance computer, um, <laughs> or, and he sees uh, you can pause it, um, you can pause that screen that comes up on the monitor, and you can read Captain Archer's biography, and it tells you everything. It tells you when he dies. It tells you, like, apparently he died like a day after the dedication ceremony for the, the uh, Constitution class Enterprise. Um, mm. Again, because it wasn't supposed to be really be seen, you could say it's, it, that might not be canon. Um, and obviously, none of that was none of that was hinted at or suggested or said in like uh, the the um, the last episode of Enterprise. But that actually gives it an actual. You could see the clear link in, in other design. It looks really cool as well. It looks very cool. Absolutely. When it comes to 
you know, like you said, it may not have ended up being the way that things ended with Archer and when he died. They did also have plans for Future Guy as well, because they kind of wrapped up a lot of the time travel stuff, which was UPN insisting that they did that and um, in, yeah. in the early seasons. Uh, but it sounded like they did... I don't think it was working. I think... The, I mean, like, like the first, like the first season finale was pretty good. When you see Archer yeah. like, looking at a post-apocalyptic like Earth, I think it was with Dan yeah. Daniels. Um, that was yeah. oh my god, you know, that was kind of cool. But they, I think they struggled to really decide where they wanted to go with it, and it kind of just trailed off a bit, and they abandoned it nearly completely. Yeah, it was very shoehorned in. Yeah, they had considered making Future Guy Romulan, which could have been interesting tying into the Romulan War, but it's not. I'm not really sure how well it would have worked, just because all of the what what do they call it? The basically the time war that they had. Um, yes, was the temporal cold war. That's it. Yeah, the temporal cold war wasn't yeah. really uh, handled very well, and like they they changed. Like you, you said before, Berman changes his mind quite a lot. And it was either him or Braga yeah. saying that it was more of a red herring and the future guy would reveal himself to be Archer and trying to, you know, mess with his younger self. And I don't buy that. I can't, no. as much as we try and come up with headcanon for things, I can't think of anything that would have happened to have him turn that way. I, I could perhaps maybe buy Travis Mayweather going yeah. from this very young, plucky... Uh, boomer that's on the ship that uh, that ends up going through a really rough ride and then comes to this. Although I think it would have to be somebody from far further in the future than Archer himself. You'll have like um, you'll just have like like Archer turn like come through a portal and just say to him, "I have to tell you about the future." <laughs> and he hands him a letter, <laughs> or like the Flash in a in a Batman v Superman or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you have any thoughts about who would have been a good reveal for Future Guy, either individual or species? Oh, I didn't really like the Future Guy thing. I mean, I, it wouldn't have worked if it was Captain Archer for several reasons. I mean, we're kind yeah. of sick of having a future version of someone go back in time. We had Janeway go back in time in the last episode of Voyage, future Janeway go back. So that was yeah. already done barely a year before that. Um, you had Picard go back in time to help younger versions and older versions of himself in the last episode of, um, well, he wasn't this is a separate Picard. It was the same Picard bouncing between different versions of himself. He was quantum leaping around. Yeah. It, it was good. Yeah. Which you think, so yeah, I guess it would make sense for uh, Scott Bakula to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, if it was Sam Beckett that uh, was, was leaped into his body, though, that wouldn't have worked because he can only leap around in his own lifetime. But um, yeah, I don't think, I, I think it was a bit crap. Um, I didn't miss it. I wasn't like, oh my God, I really want to know that I have the future guy, you know. Um, yeah. I, I didn't really miss it at all when they got rid of it. Um, and also there's issues within the Star Trek universe with that, um, not just the fact that it's been done a lot. You've got like the temporal prime directive. I mean, shouldn't like yeah. the, that you, that, that Federation time ship, the, the relativity have turned up? And said, "Oh, Archie, you got to stop doing all this time stuff. You're breaking the temp, the temporal." I mean, you could say, "Oh, well, that was only because they, you know, they only it was only Janeway they're worried about or something." But no, because they, the I think it's established they bounce around to whatever time that needs to be things need to be fixed, and they fix them. You know, so I don't think it, it would have been um, Archie. I think if it had to be someone, 
it probably would be just some weird like alien of the week you know person that's been in the background manipulating stuff for some reason and it comes to a big finale and so a species we've never met before possibly yeah um i don't think it would have been a big deal if it was a species we'd met before but i don't think it, it would be like captain archer or someone character we know um yeah because even if it was daniel say it would be so close it that would probably of all the characters that we've already met i almost feel like daniel's would make the most sense but it would again just be a rehash of captain braxton from voyager yeah exactly so um it, we would just roll our eyes and be like oh here we go again you know um <laughs> Maybe you could have, like, um, uh, what's his name? The Traveller, maybe, something like that. But he's not really. He's quite benign and chilled out. This this future yeah. guy was very serious and corporate and kind of gruff-sounding or very blunt. So, um, yeah, I think it would just have to be some alien of the week. That um, I'm sure they could come up with a really good premise of why some weird alien is talking to, to Captain Archer to set things up. But I don't think it should have. It should have been Captain Archer because there's issues with that. I think every yeah. every Trekkie would have been screaming at the telly saying the temporal prime <laughs> directive, the temporal prime directive, you know, um, us included. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have bought that at all. I would have been really annoyed at that. <laughs> I, I would have loved, because uh, this is one of the things that uh, Manny Koto uh, discussed, was that he had planned more episodes set in the Mirror Universe. And again, not like we've seen in other series where there's a crossover, yes. but just purely set there. And he described it as a kind of mini-series inside a series. So you'd have, like, a few regular episodes and then you cut to the Mirror Universe. That would have been kind of neat, I felt. Oh, God, you could have a whole season. It was all, I mean, that probably would have been a bit too ambitious for in that era of TV. Although we were getting into, you know, how TV is now. Um, and they did, obviously, a whole season on one, one arc already. But, yeah. Well, we got half a season set in the mirror universe in discovery yes so we've kind of had a bit more of that there uh but being able to see empress sato yeah and changing the direction of the terran empire at that point i think would have been really cool yes and if anything i think that's probably one of the biggest losses that we got from the the series being cancelled that uh, alongside the romulan war yeah, I mean, were two absolutely stunning episodes. I mean, anybody that hates like Enterprise, like, oh, it was crap. I don't want to watch it. It was rubbish. Um, you you have to watch those two episodes because they are might be my favourite two episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. I mean, it's funny that they're Mirror Universe episodes, but they might even be the best Mirror Universe episodes. I mean, we probably don't want to talk too much about them. We'll do an episode on them, but um, it's it they they link to an episode of the original series brilliantly. You get a, a really cool way of portraying an original series ship and uniforms that's not cheesy and doesn't make you want to roll your eyes. It really works. Mm. Um, and the fact that Hoshi ends up being the wins, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, or ends up being, well, in charge, it becomes the emperor at the end or the empress is such a swerve that you never saw coming. No. Um, it's brilliant. Uh, absolutely stunning. One of the best episodes of Star Trek out of the lot. It really mm. is. I can't say where it would rank, but it'd be... I'd put it in a top 10, uh, that both the episodes. I'd probably put it in a top 10. I agree with that. It was okay. I was hoping that when we got to Discovery in those Mirror Universe episodes, which are very good, I was hoping we'd see a bit more about what the intervening years, because obviously we know we go, by that point we'd had the original series episode. Obviously, that was the first one. Um, mm. So we know that we obviously got from Empress Sato to 
where the Terran Empire is in that original Mirror Mirror episode. And they're clearly, you know, ruling quite a huge chunk of that of the Alpha Quadrant and a lot of the Beta Quadrant. And if it's enslaved a bunch of races, and we find out a bit more about that in Deep Space Nine. Uh, but obviously, me on my own, again, headcanon, it would seem that Sato is kind of responsible for that. Yeah. And um, that was kind of what Archer was wanting to do, the, the Mirror Universe Archer. Uh, but she kind of takes it and runs with it and basically completely, like, you know, runs roughshod um, over the Alpha Quadrant and the Beta Quadrant because she's got the Defiant. Mm. And I think you do see the Defiant very briefly in that those Discovery episodes. I think it's in, like, a schematic or something. Yeah, and you can see that it's been modified. Yeah. They've, they've changed the, the shape of the hull slightly as part of that. Yeah, so that would have been brilliant. I would have loved that. I also would have liked to have seen one of the plans that they had which was the construction of the first star base because that yes. just lent itself to being quite a unique episode because i mean we've had star bases i mean we've had, we've had an entire series set around a star base <laughs> you know um but <laughs> in terms of deep space nine babylon five. Oh, yeah sorry deep space nine yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um having it as the very first one and just the the initial setup and stuff yeah I think that would have been interesting just for a single episode. What we would have had to have done is um, we would have had to have the regular one model either upside down or upright, because that's what they do with that model, and <laughs> in a set inside this space. I think sideways is probably the only thing we haven't done with that model, isn't it? We'll do that. And inside, there'll be those two red tubes. They'll be somewhere <laughs> in like a hallway or something. That is what they would have had to have done for a, a Starbase. The invention of the red tubes it would be the very first time they <laughs> yeah. were ever used for something and maybe even give oh us my a, God. a reason behind what they do six episode story arc on those <laughs> red tubes uh that would be amazing and they're kept on regular one because they're like the most powerful weapon you know and we have to like it's like the the, the ark of the covenant in in the red's lost ark they've been put in like a you know a sealed container and so, i don't know why it'd be sent to regular one and then subsequently every lab in Starfleet, apparently, when you get to the next generation, but uh, well, yeah, here, here we are. Kind um, of think it's like a big, it's a big weapon or something like this, and it's really just it's just yeah. a very popular iPod that's yeah, propagated yeah, exactly, around yeah. the galaxy. You know, um, yeah. One storyline that they had planned that I didn't like the sound of was an origin story for the Borg Queen. Oh yeah, there was a pitch for a story where they would have Alice Kriege reprise, uh, well, return to Star Trek as a Starfleet medical technician. And she ends up coming into contact with the Borg from the season two episode, Regeneration. And they assimilate her and then she becomes that Borg queen. And I don't like that for many, many reasons. I also think it's unnecessary. Yeah. And it makes the whole universe feel smaller as well. I mean, a lot of people hated Regeneration. Um, I really liked it. I remember in those Trek web days that I talked about earlier, there was yeah. a forum on that site. And when those, when it got announced that there was going to be a Borg episode on Enterprise, people were like, oh, that's ridiculous. How can they do it? But the way they did it, I think, was actually very good. Um, yeah. And it linked Star Trek First Contact to the Enterprise era. And then to have the fact that, you know, um, what happens at the end of the episode means is kind of the reason why there's a ball cube in q who who that was you know 
relatively close to Federation space is amazing yeah. and very chilling as well. The way they deliver that at the end of that episode is really, really well done. I really like that episode. I like the concept of having sort of standalone episodes that perhaps aren't even involving the regular Enterprise crew, but are just in that era so we can see things develop. Yeah. We got that to an, a little bit with those Mirror Universe episodes that didn't have really any connection to what was happening in the Prime you know, universe at that time. And almost like in like Course Oblivion in Voyager, mm. although it's not quite the same, but an episode that takes place somewhere else that isn't anything to do with the crew. Or uh, uh, Living Witness is another good one. Um, but you've still got, okay, you've still got someone from the show, like the regular show, on that. But um, I would love to have seen like, you know, little little nuggets of episodes where this is what's happening. Here's a big thing that happened in the Romulan Empire that caused this thing later on that we know about. Or here's what's mm. happening in the Klingon Empire. Or maybe something just on Earth is happening with the Federation or the Starfleet that's, you know, we or we follow the Columbia doing something. These one-off little, like, three or four of these episodes dotted in, in the regular season. But in terms of, like, the Borg Queen, I mean, I, I feel like the Borg Queen would be something that would have been an ancient, like, an ancient character that um, would have been happened, would have been, you know, evolved, or whatever you would call it, very early in, you know, Probably it might not be. This is again real major headcanon, but would have emerged, you know, in the very early years of the Borg as a race. I can't imagine it just in like twenty one fifty three. A scientist who looks like Alice Krieger got turned into a Borg and she became the Queen. That would have been really crap. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think that I would have been wouldn't have liked it. Yeah. Plus, we've already seen her return as the Borg Queen after the one from First Contact died. So yeah. Yeah, it, it it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I would like a story about her or about the Borg to carry on. Maybe about them picking up the signal um, from the from the Alpha Quadrant and you know doing something. <laughs> but um, I, I've, I've no objection to the Borg coming back. But that story would have been a bit lame. I think. Yeah, it, it would have to have been an aside episode again, like yes. the Mirror Universe, where you don't have any interaction with the Federation. Yes. The only problem is you're then taking away an entire episode from the main cast. That's yes. where that would go. Yeah. It's like, we're, we're going to have an episode of your show, but none of you are in it. <laughs> it would be the, yeah, the problem yeah. with it. So I think, uh, I, think, be... um, I think probably that era of TV that we've already touched upon, it was very early days of getting into, well, there were TV shows like Sopranos and stuff that were already like long arcs, but certainly in science fiction and Star Trek. Although Deep Space Nine had done it, so I'm kind of contradicting myself here now. But um, mm. like now, for example, where you could have an entire season on just one story, I think they were probably still reluctant to do that then. It's, well, they obviously did it, but they probably might have been reluctant to do it again, and they would have also been even more reluctant to have it maybe like have huge, have individual episodes that just weren't anything to do with the crew, but just took place in those that same year or yeah. somewhere else in, 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 in the Star Trek universe. I think they probably would have been quite reluctant to do that, but I would have loved to have seen that, yeah. yeah. So what other stuff would you have loved to have seen? Because um, obviously we've just been talking about plans that they had for season five. If the show had continued through to season seven, is there anything that you personally would have liked to have seen develop in later seasons, how it would have wrapped up? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... Um... I touched upon it already a few things there, I guess. Um, you know, I, I like the idea of individual, which they kind of hinted at with that mirror, with that mirror universe 
ep- episodes or, or two-parter. Um, I would like I like the idea of perhaps other stories that were taking place in that same time frame that weren't necessarily yeah. the NXO one crew. Probably like I said, four or five um, in a season. Uh, I would have loved to have seen that um, more Mirror Universe. Seemed how that how we got from Hoshi being the Empress and what she did, you know, immediately yeah. after what we saw, and gives a stronger even an even stronger link to what we saw in Mirror Mirror in the um, original series. And, you know, I, I would love to have seen the Romulan War. I think we were probably going to get the, the whole war. I mean, that would probably be a season story, I think, quite easily, like like the Zindi. Yeah, there would have been risks, I think, of it being too similar in some regards. But at the same time, yeah. as long as they were bringing in things like T'Pol being half Romulan, I think that's where it would have worked better. The other problem being that humans aren't ever supposed to have ever seen Romulans up until the original series. Yeah, that's right. And they handled it well yeah. in Enterprise. They obviously foreshadowed that something's going to go down with the Romulans soon because there was the Minefield episode. I yeah. mean, we kind of t- touched upon that a little bit in our Dead Stop um, show. And there was the episode where, um, I think it was a three-part as well, wasn't it, where there was a ro- remote-controlled Romulan ship. Yeah, the the drone that was controlled by one of the uh, the NR. Uh, the NR, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there was the NR or the NR um, arc. Um, I thought that was great. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of Arik soon. I mean, just one, if only just to get more Brent Spiner. Um, that would have been cool. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Perhaps starting off some of the very early Positronic stuff as well. Yes. Then? Yeah, maybe they... It, I, mean, I don't know how you'd have another adventure with him. Because that's where he kind of shifted focus, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. But he knew he would never finish the work in his own lifetime, so... Yeah, so they, it was a great little link to data there that they made. Yeah. Um, maybe bring him in somehow. Um, okay, what I think would yeah. have worked there is having a young Noonian. So you've got him, perhaps it is just an episode that's set a little bit further in the future, and it's him kind of bestowing this desire upon Noonian soon, who would have been Data's father. Maybe that kind of ha- passing of the torch. It sounds like we both want a Star Trek show that's like, you know, just Star Trek universe or something, where it's just loads of <laughs> like, stories that take place in the universe. It doesn't even have a particular time frame. We just get yeah. these cool little, like, individual stories of, here's an episode about how Data got literally got built. Here's a cool <laughs> episode about, you know, kind of like Living Witness, but every episode yeah, is well, like Living Witness. Discovery, yeah. like one of the original early plans um, that they were coming up with was for it to be an anthology series where you would get yeah. little pockets of, of stuff, which would have been quite interesting to have. But now we're going with a more expanded universe. So, Yeah. I mean, I think you could still do a show like that. Oh, you know, yeah. Imagine how cool it would be if we had an episode that took place in the original series movie era, or you know, yeah. where you saw everybody wearing those, those awesome red uniforms. And, but anyway, we'll pitch that to, to CBS like, <laughs> like in the next week or two. And yeah. see how we I get certainly on. feel the, <laughs> the short treks have kind of helped lay the the possibility yeah. there for it being something yes to do. um some of the stuff that i wanted to see was more shran for a start and i wonder how it oh, would yes. have been had shran joined the crew yeah um jeffrey combs is freaking awesome um i love we obviously we love everything that he does in star trek he's one of the best star trek yeah. guest stars like of all time he's just a genius he can play a billion characters 
Um, and it'd be great to have him as a full-time member because Shran, you just, you really grew to really like him. He was kind yeah. of a one bit, one dimensional, and a bit cheesy in the very, in the Andorian instant, I think is the episode mm. when he first appears in season one, but he keeps coming back and coming back and you see a, de- a relationship develop between him and Archer. Um, and I think it was, it, I mean, they were thinking about bringing him in as a member of the crew. Actually, I think weren't they? If they got a season six and seven, uh, season five, six and seven, I think that would have been awesome. It That's what been, I wanted. Yeah, it would have been full time Jeffrey Combs, which would have been brilliant. Yeah, yeah. W- one thing that I remember seeing as well was that obviously they brought in the Makos. They were an Earth organization, and they were very much like uh, they were like the Hazard Team from uh, Elite Force from the video games. You know what? When when we were watching. Um, that uh, these are the voyages. There's that bit when they're retrieving Shran's daughter, and I'm thinking, yeah. oh, this is actually Raiko just playing a level of holodeck for Elite Force because it was like a cool, <laughs> a classic like a first-person shooter environment from that game, and yeah. he's just like, yeah, cool, I'm gonna phaser all these dudes, and like, <laughs> yeah, that was like that's like, and he oh. just sat there at the back watching, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but it's um, like I-, I remember just thinking like there is a point where the Mako don't exist. So there is a point when they get phased out uh, or they get integrated yeah. into Starfleet. And then we got Starship Beyond, where that was basically the description that a lot of the Makos became Starfleet officers. We had the main antagonist was a Mako turned Starfleet captain that then went rogue because yeah. he couldn't deal with the fact that the Mako force no longer existed. So more kind of in hindsight after seeing Beyond, I would have loved to have seen more of that as well. Seeing Makos having to deal with this transition as Earth went from this singular planet and government body to something much larger within the universe. Yeah, I mean, my my own headcanon from like what happens to the Makos is like, I just thought the Makos turn into the security division of, of, mm. of Starfleet. So, you know, a Tashi are, you know, in Worf, they're, they're basically latter-day Makos, really. Um, clearly, when you see how extra trained they are, I mean, Tashi are could do, like, like ninja sort of stuff. Um, Worf could, you know, hit people <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, and uh, Who needs martial arts when you can just hit people? Yeah. Oh, they do that a lot in, a, in, the, early, in the early seasons of Next Generation. They always have to do karate kick some, an alien at some point. It kind yeah. of dies down when you get to like the third season, basically when they go to the two-piece uniforms that don't like ninja kick people as much. But um, <laughs> you see it a lot in that first season. Every opportunity, Tashiar is just doing like a ninja kick on someone. Um, yeah. you know, it's just like, get me down there. There's going to be aliens like a ninja kick. Um, so yeah, that would have been really interesting. And um, perhaps, you know, s- Section 31 evolves as well into that. Though we did get Section 31 um foreshadowed in enterprise i think maybe that would have been great yeah. as well having episodes focused on how because we we know that they're around in the time of you know in, in archer's time based upon what cisco says in uh deep space nine yeah well they're even there at the signing of the federation charter it's all part of that they were even described yes. as as existing before then which is why they were involved in it and yeah having Having that in may have been kind of cool. I mean, we'd already had Malcolm opposing being used as a pawn for them, uh, and so basically, if you're an English, if you're English and you're on a Starfleet yeah. ship or a space station, the Section Thirty One are going to be after you because yeah. Bashir was <laughs> and and Reed. So yeah, yeah, that was going to be my next point as well. Is that 
we have seen a lot of that with Bashir. So there's a lot of things which you kind of have to toe the line and tiptoe around to avoid repetition, especially when it was Berman and Braga, where it was their own show. Well, now we've got different showrunners. There's a lot more opportunities to do something different because you've got different people running it. When it's the same people running, that's where, like with Future Guide, there was always that risk of just repeating ideas that they'd already had. Yeah, you're right. It, the obviously, uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of things we're talking about where they are repeating. I mean, literally, just come to my mind just now. Another, you know, storyline that kind of came and went just because Enterprise got cancelled um, was the um, when we had the episode Demon that we already mentioned, or Demons, um, Demons of Voyager episode, um, um, when they were forming the Coalition of Planets, and uh, you had. Um, there was that xenophobic um, group of, of people that lived on Mars, wasn't it? And it was uh, yeah. headed by RoboCop. Um, <laughs> and um, he, um, uh, what was the name of that of that section? Terra Prime. The episode's called yeah. Terra Prime. God, some of the brainwave. Um, <laughs> the titular title. Yeah. I mean, um, I really like Peter Weller, obviously, because RoboCop's one of my favourite films. And he was great mm-hmm. in that episode. Although those, that, that arc, those uh, was it three episodes, I think, that, that, that went through. But yeah, I think that would be great. It was just the two, just the two. It was the two, yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be great to have them come back as well. See what happens to Terra Prime, you know? Because um, I don't think you know uh, they would go away. Yeah, you still need that that crossover where by the twenty fourth century, all of that stuff's supposed to be gone. By the twenty third century, it's kind of supposed to be gone. So we're in yes. the twenty second century, and it's there. So at some point it needs to start to dissolve from society. And maybe it's just... You should see that happening, yeah. Yeah, but maybe it's just hard to portray that because if we could portray that easily, then maybe we, as a society, do would be able to do it. <laughs> That's it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But another society that would be interesting to see would be the Denobulans. I know that they were thinking of perhaps visiting Denobula. Yes. But whether you're visiting Denobula or just dealing with other Denobulans, I would have loved to have seen more of them, especially as they had a lot of um, polyamory relationships. And, yes. And exploring that side of things would have been kind of interesting and just kind of opening up like the sexual equality boundaries and, and things and how they managed it. Because... Flox already says that it's kind of complicated because he's got three wives and each of his wives have got three husbands and just how that all just kind of works. And also the conflicts that can happen when it doesn't would have been yeah. ripe for drama. Yeah, I mean, we get um, little nuggets of uh, the Denobulan culture um, through, you know, the odd, the odd thing like you see, yeah, like you're saying, we saw um, one of Flox's wives in, in an episode. And, Played by John Billingsley's real-life wife. Yeah, and yeah, it was actually, yeah. But but, but I think John Billingsley is great. I, I loved uh, the yeah. character of Flox. A lot of people worried he'd be another Neelix, um, but he wasn't at all. He had some really strong, powerful episodes, um, and he was just a great, <laughs> a great character. So just having more of him would have been great. Like, episodes focused on him would yeah. have been great. Um and yeah, to visit his planet would have been. A, um, I would I would love to have seen that as well. Um, just to yeah. get more John, more John Billingsley stuff. Um, but basically, yeah, yeah. What if one of his wives then turned against the way that their society works, or perhaps had been cheating, and how it affects not just flocks but the entire family, and just that relationship yeah, dynamic, he... interest and stuff. So, 
there could be some kind of a faction on Denobula that are a bit more like outdated and don't like things the way they are and there's some kind of conflict and that draws Dr. Phlox in and that could be an arc for a couple of episodes just to give you a, a nice little insight into Denobulan culture with a mirror to our own, which is what Star yeah. Trek is famous for. That would have been great. I would have loved to have seen more stuff on Vulcan as well. Um, and if, if it yeah. meant that Tucker and Topol's relationship could have developed more, um, it would have been great to have seen that. Um, the Argonians, um, which I think are in, am I, is that the right race I'm getting? Uh, who are observing, is it Observer Effect is the episode, yeah. um, isn't it? Yeah. Obviously, they're in the original series, quite f- famous um, episode, the first uh, Errand of Mercy. The first episode of the Klingons in, but they're in an episode of, en- of Enterprise. Uh, those those episodes that are really funny, where you've got an, a, a, aliens observing humans, and you're actually seeing it from the point of view of the aliens, are really good fun. Uh, yeah. Voyager did a really good episode with the weird dinosaur one, uh, Distant Origin. This was kind of similar. And Scientific Method as well, where they had all these invisible uh, instruments being probed and inserted into the. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of a better version of schisms. Yeah, um, which they're still good. Yeah. But I think I think um, scientific method did that episode better. Mm. Uh, that was a much better way because it was the whole crew. But again, we need to do an episode on scientific method. It's really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, some of the of course see the Argonians again. Maybe some other races that we perhaps see bits of in Star Trek um, that we didn't really get fleshed out. I mean, the Andorians basically got that treatment. They're they're kind of a weird place before Enterprise, where they're kind of very well known, yet we didn't really know much about them. They were really fleshed out more in the original series than in like Hmm. um, Next Generation or DS Nine or Voyager. So we got a real good, you know, that with them, like 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 the Tellarites, maybe. Like we saw them, we see them a bit in in Enterprise, but maybe having more episodes focused on on them. Yeah, Yeah. I I would have loved to see more about their society. Because we, we, we started to get that with the Andorians, with Shuan, and we, we got to see a lot of there. Um, so yeah, like season six and seven, more with the Tellarites, especially as we were moving towards the formation of the United Federation of Planets. I think that would have been really important, really, to have seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think as a, I nearly touched upon it a few minutes ago, uh, but we ended up talking about something else. But as a wrestling fan, um, knowing that, Enterprise was on UPN, and that was a channel that WWF or slash WWE these days um, were airing a lot of their content, which is why we got the big show on an episode of Enterprise playing an, uh, an Orion. Paul White is the name of the wrestler. Other fans of WCW wrestling will know him as the giant. He was in an episode of Enterprise. So I would love to think that maybe later on down the line, we would have got more another cameo from a famous wrestler like Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin or, so, or Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Also, some some kind of alien, uh, you know, merchant or something. You know, I'm yeah. sure that would have been kind of fun to see. We had the Rock, of course, in an episode of Star Trek Voyager, quite famously. Sunkatsy. Yes, uh, his first acting gig, and obviously with the Hollywood's the biggest uh, drawing like um, actor now in Hollywood, which is crazy. Yeah. Star Trek started him off, which is which is kind of fun. So yeah, that would have been kind of fun if we have that another cameo from a famous wrestler, like you know, mm. Stone Cold Steve Austin or Triple H or Shawn Michaels or someone. Yeah, um, that's probably most of the things that I can think of, really. Have you got any other wish list stuff that you think um, you would like to have seen? Yeah, I would, I would have liked to have seen more technology upgrades. And yeah, um, I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but the transporter specifically, because it is so much faster in Enterprise than it is in the original series, 
and the films and the next generation. Um, it's not until you get to the later yeah. TNG films that it starts to go back to that speed. And what I would have liked to have seen is, um, let, let, let's say there was a fault that started to occur after X years of use and it was becoming like a recurring thing. So people going through the transport, you end up with the same thing constantly happening. And it's just down to the way that the technology worked. And they had to add an extra buffer to resolve it, which led to longer transport times, but more reliable. There is a danger, though, that you don't want, like, by this the last episode of the seventh season, they've got really cool photon torpedoes, they've got phasers, they've got transporters, they've got shields. Because I, I feel like that wouldn't really become... No. super common and normal until another 70, 60, 70 years. I mean, obviously by the yeah. original series, they look super, all of that stuff is super boring to them and completely normal and has been for probably decades by even the cage, I would say. So it shouldn't be too far off, but I don't think it would be, everything would be perfectly normal by the end of Enterprise. Yeah, I thought the force fields were introduced too early, for, for example. Yeah. I, I thought that came in far too soon. Having it feel like things weren't quite so polished, get this feeling that this is still very early tech, without relying on the usual trope of just like, uh, well, yeah, it's okay. I'm asking for something that's like I want things to constantly break down, but I don't want it to fall on the trope of things always breaking down. It's uh, it's a, it would be a delicate balancing act. Yeah, because then your believability of the reliability of stuff you get kind of twisted then, and you're like, should they be going out in this thing if it's this bad? I mean, yeah. it's like um, the writers, I felt, were getting were a bit frustrated with the limitations of the NX-01 because they wanted to tell stories like the ones that they were telling yeah. in, in the 24th century, but they had these pathetic missiles that the Enterprise would fire. It took an hour to get to the other ship that was kicking their ass. <laughs> they had, like, literal, literal tow cables yeah. for a tractor beam. Um but you kind of, at the same time, you kind of had to do that. And also there was, you know, the fact that to send a shuttle pod to go down to a surface of a planet. I mean, in the end of the day, that wasn't too much more difficult than transporting someone because, you know, you just have the scene of them getting in it and then the scene of them landing. Bang. It's not as I even bother doing that. It'd just be on the planet and you'd already see them walking to the thing they were going to. So yeah. that wasn't a big deal. But, um, yeah, in some ways, they, they, they maybe they were rushing some things. Like they got photon torpedo or photonic torpedoes. So they had a nice, quick thing they could fire at enemy ships instead of a boring ass like missile. Mm. But you know, they probably you know that's probably what they should have been having for the duration of that of that series. Really, should have been a, a super slow nuclear missile, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, and then probably torpedoes would have been like maybe another ten odd years after Archer's packed it in as a captain. Um, well, you know, maybe it could have been right. Maybe that was the first. You probably well, really. All they really had, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. All they really got was the transporter, and uh, although they they were still skeptical of using that on a day to day basis, um, and photonic torpedoes is the, probably yeah. the main upgrades. I mean, did they have shields, or was it still just armor? It, by it the was, end, um, yeah, it was still just polarized hull plating. Yeah, which isn't really shields. I, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I can't really wrap my head around what that really meant. Was it? It just. I mean, you could see there was kind of like an energy field like on, on the plating of, of the ship, but it was like yeah. a bubble. It was just yeah, deflect it was to, stuff. It's, yeah, it's definitely to deflect against energy-based weapons. It's like shock-absorbing stuff, isn't it, really, <laughs> as opposed to, to something yeah. just, like, that blocks stuff. Yeah. I, I think that in terms of how the show should have ended, I like that in season four, they had the speech at the founding ceremony of the Coalition of Planets. 
And that was a really yes. good speech. But we're told in the finale that the speech that is at the signing of the charter that ratifies that coalition of planets is supposed to be one of the biggest speeches ever. And we were robbed of it. That, like you said, yeah. they just ended the episode. And I would want to see that historic speech and and get that kind of finale of like, this is the big triumphant, everything that this has been working towards. And, uh, yeah. and, and have like a big grand finale of that kind of scale where you've kind of reached that journey. I, I mean, even when you take into account the lyrics for the show, it's been a long road getting from there to here. You want to feel that by the end of the series that you look back and it's Yeah, like, and then maybe part of his speech perhaps would literally have space, the final frontier, you know, obviously not literally that because he's not going to be on this Enterprise ship flying around at that exact point, you know, he's, he's addressing just, a crowd. Or just space is the final frontier, you know. Yeah, the, these will be the voyages, the voyages of our amazing coalition. We will seek out new life, and then you'd have that at the end. And obviously, as Trekkie, it, it, it will basically be a moment like when I, for my birthday, I think my thirtieth birthday, um, which is a, a while ago now, um, unfortunately, <laughs> um, I'm aging myself. Um, my girlfriend took me to see Star Trek Two, which is showing that you, you're the Prince Charles Cinema, where we've been. We oh. went together um, multiple times. One of my favourite cinemas in all of London. Yeah, it was, it's awesome. Yeah. It's it's a different atmosphere to a regular cinema. You know, they show old films. People can, like, cheer and, and applaud and yell out. Like, when there's a quote that comes up, people go, yeah, you know, and they really get into it. Yeah. And there was a moment on Star Trek II uh, when Spock says, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few for the first time. And this dude that was near us just went, yes! <laughs> really loud. <laughs> and everyone in the cinema laughed at this dude because, we you know what, we are all feeling that. That, yeah. When he says that line for the first time, it was like, oh my God, yes. He said it, the ultimate Star Trek line. So <laughs> it would be a moment like that where Archer would say, he would work in those class, that classic Star Trek, you know, um, Space to Final Frontier stuff. And that would be, that'd be quite triumphant, mm. um, I think, if he did that. And we would all get a real buzz as, as Trekkies from that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It would have been great to hear that speech. Yeah. I, I did like some of the threads that they had in, such as, you know, going back to these are the voyages, how Archer has become very weathered by things. We saw in season three, at the end of the war, he was struggling. And so by the time he returned to Earth at the beginning of season four, he, his viewpoint on exploration had changed. He's like, no, we need to be armored up. There's a lot of threats out there. Um, and then with the death of Trip, he's just kind of like, you know, is this worth it? And with trip dying i'm starting to question this would we just be safer staying at home and for all the faults of the episode i think that exploring that facet of archer is just really interesting to me and having more of that stretched out over a full seven season run and getting to that big final speech would have really glorified the actual meaning of it all it would have made it so much more important it, it, would, it would feel rewarding yeah the real the ultimate version of that final scene of um not in the frame of a, of a silly holodeck story actually yeah. the old the actual real speech i think would have been the perfect finale um i think i don't think it would necessarily have had to have jumped 10 years into the few uh you know six years in, 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 into the future i think maybe it would just happen as you know there'll be a, a mission that would you know, it would end up um, with just them having to forming the the, um, the United Federation of Planets. You know, um, well, they they could even have done 
with the uh, with the Romulan War. There's nothing to have stopped them kind of, you know, going between seasons and saying there's been a time skip. Yeah, you could almost say that because there was a war with the Romulans, maybe it's like, God, we should maybe form a, a real solid bonding of all of these different planets that, were, that are all kind of thinking in the same lines. And that's, you know, that would be a great link of the Romulan War is kind of the direct reason why there's a United Federation of Planets, because, you know, it was a solidarity movement after a horrible war. Because mm. um, I can imagine the Andorians probably helped out uh, Starfleet in that war. Um, I, I can't remember what the kind of vague canon of the Romulan War is, if it was just Earth literally on its own. But I can imagine Shran would help, like insist the Randorians help the Starfleet and maybe the Tellarites and some of those, the, the Vulcans. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would be a natural bringing together into the what we now would get, the uh, the UFP. Yeah. There is one final thing, I think, that yeah. I would like, uh, that I completely didn't think about when we were talking about the Mirror Universe. The, the original, one of the original premises of um, In a Mirror Darkly was to have William Shatner turn up. Um, as the Mirror Universe, Captain Kirk. I can't actually see it on Memory Alpha, but I remember reading somewhere that the idea was it was going to be, we see the, the Mirror Universe, Captain Kirk, very, very briefly in a couple of quick scenes. I think maybe just one quick, quick scene where um, he's yelling at Spock to let him out of uh, the brig. He was going to give him some credits. He offers some credits, which is uh, okay. the first time you hear the term credits so, um, in Star Trek. Which is, you know, um, and the idea was that Captain Kirk, because he sees what the what the uh, R universe looks like, he devises a plan to do something to... I don't know what his ultimate plan would have been, but he, he goes back in time. Um, maybe his idea was to, to, to... Maybe he was trying to steal the Defiant and take it back in time to take over the, the Emperor. He was, he was going to be called Tiberius. Um, which is obviously Captain Kirk's middle name. Yeah, uh, he was just going to call himself Tiberius, but it was going to be William Shatner um, was going to be in that episode. Obviously, at the age he was then, um, and it was going to be, which sounded freaking awesome. Um, we wouldn't have got the probably the episodes that we got, which was still brilliant. Um, it might have been worse. <laughs> you know, it could, could have been better. But I would have loved to perhaps if we did get more him to come up, him to turn up. Yeah, yeah. And so with us kind of looking at how. Enterprise as a whole would have ended. You do actually bring up a, a, a decent point, and that's that we've got this mini series within a series going on of the Mirror Universe. How would we want that to have ended? Yeah, because they would have had to have kind of wrapped things up there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it would just end up with um, you'd have to be getting toward the position that, that we we started off in in Mirror Mirror. You know. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it probably would be too difficult because there wasn't any kind of a turmoil, I don't think, really. I think it would just have everything set in place and the, the Terran Empire being dominant. And mm. um, that would be it, really. I don't really know if that would mean there'd be some charter gets signed or a big ceremony happens. I, I can't really see that would, that would be the case. I mean, the Terran Empire just runs roughshod over everything and just takes what it wants. I still want to see how you'd have a, uh, have a, have a finale of that when we know it's yeah. not ending at that point, is it? It's carrying on. It's more interesting to see what happens between the DS9 mirror universe and what happened in uh, the original series, because obviously there's a big, a big thing happens where they get over, they get, you know, the Terran Empire collapses. And uh, that's a more interesting story, but you probably couldn't tell that in the Enterprise well, era. That was because so, that was yeah. because of um, Spock's influence, that Spock had pushed for this equality that, uh, that R. Kirk had, had told him about and yeah. that 
worked for a little while, but then they were yeah. too weak and were taken over by everybody else. So, yeah, there's not that's not really a story for Enterprise, perhaps, no, is it? I don't know. No, but maybe just having it get to a point where, like, we we've not seen them at their height. Like we've seen the yes. how they operate within the ship. I think it may be that, in a way, mirroring the formation of the coalition of planets, having something that's kind of at a similar scale, showing the Terran Empire at the peak of their reign. You know what? CBS make a make a mirror universe series. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think it would be great because it would be a Star Trek series where the rules are completely thrown out the window. You've got the same kind of ships and technology and, and, and characters, but just doing these bizarro things that you would that you can get away with because um, there's no the rules are not written. Well, the rules are kind of partially written. They're just all kind of crazy. I think that would be amazing. Be amazing, but it would also be the worst of humanity. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> There'd be very questionable stuff and difficult stuff to watch potentially, but um, yeah. Uh, but then we you know we get that with the Walking Dead, you know. <laughs> maybe, so, maybe they just have to, you know, so, end the episode with like a little animated segment, a bit like they did in the eighties with um, with all these educational messages about don't do drugs and and things like that. But just with Badgie, just be like, you know, don't be, don't be a dick, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't be evil. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all, all the actual Mirror Universe guys just turn around at the end and say, hey guys, this is all very fun to killing all these Andorians and stuff, but don't do not do that. Well, you, you don't know any real Andorians, but be nice, be nice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually a great way to end our little look back at Star Trek Enterprise and our thoughts and what hopes that ultimately never came to be. Uh, and that actually, you know, that wraps up our first away mission. So did you agree with our wish list? How did you feel about the series finale and just Enterprise's cancellation generally in 2005? Um, we would love to hear your thoughts. Let us know by getting in touch with us. Um, you can do that on Twitter at Star Trek LRS. Uh, you can do it via our website at longrangesensors.com. Or you can email us directly at longrangesensors at iCloud.com. And as always, our supporters over on Patreon can also discuss this episode with us in our private members-only Discord channel. So if you want to get involved with the conversation too, you can join the crew of the USS Atlantic at patreon.com forward slash long range sensors. Um, we're going to be taking a short break, but we have some new patron benefits that we're going to be rolling out in the meantime. Absolutely. And the break is entirely on me. I'm upgrading to a newer Mac, and so until my new one arrives, I'm going to be without a computer to record and edit the show on. But for those of you supporting us on Patreon, you won't be completely devoid of new content, because we're going to be releasing an exclusive audio commentary for you of Star Trek III The Search for Spock. And if that's something that you'd like to see more of, we're planning on recording more commentaries again in the future live on our Discord channel so that you'll be able to watch along with us. But wait, there's more. Because not long after this episode gets uploaded, we're also going to start running some polls over on Patreon. We'll be providing a small selection of Star Trek episodes for you to vote on so that you can help decide which ones we can talk about next here on Long Range Sensors. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider letting others know about it. 
telling a friend, sharing it on social media, or telling all three of your Denobulin spouses about it is one of the best ways to support us and goes a long way to help our show reach even more people. My name is Trev, and you can follow me at Henry Jones Jr. on Twitter. You can also check out my other podcast, all about modern and retro gaming chat with my co-host Stu over at consoleshock.net. Al, uh, where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find everything I'm up to at alistairmcfly.com. Uh, you can follow me at both at alistairmcfly and at imcfly on Twitter. And you can also catch me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash alistairmcfly. You've been listening to Long Range Sensors, where it's been a long road getting from there to here. I can see my dreams come alive at last. <laughs> I can touch the sky. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. The, the theme song. Shit. That's like the most biggest controversial thing of the whole fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>